We are going to continue our talks about anxiety. Um, you know, next week, I want to put a little plug for next week. Uh, in 30-some-plus years of preaching, I'm probably as excited about next week's sermon as any sermon that I've done in a long time. Um, God's really given me some insight on how to get out of anxiety, a holistic approach to that. And next week, I'm going to be sharing some things that is new revelation even to me, and I think it's going to change your life. So if you suffer with anxiety or, 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 or chronic anxiety or depression, or, or just emotional fears and thing. Come next week, if you know people that do, come next week, it's going to be amazing. You know, when we talk about anxiety, to me it's a very, very complicated subject. There's no easy answer. Uh, there's different kinds of anxiety. To me, there's emotional anxiety, there's situational anxiety, there's futuristic anxiety, there's anxiety that comes through sinfulness, believe it or not. If you're into sinfulness, there's a fear and an anxiety of maybe exposure or something, but even sinfulness, there's an anxiety. Uh, there's an anxiety that deals with conscience. Sometimes we just can't quiet that irking voice that's always in our ear telling us all the bad stuff. There's different kinds of anxiety. Anxiety can be physical. Anxiety can be relational, but there's many ways. But brothers and sisters, I believe, turn it down just a hair, please. Turn it down just a hair, please. Brothers and sisters, I believe that we need to take a holistic approach to anxiety. To me, it's just not one thing that you can do. Now, I'm not a doctor where we can prescribe medicines or anything like that, but if you have a doctor where you can go, uh, sometimes you might get on exercise or diet. Uh, even the foods you eat can affect the way that your psyche works. The foods you eat, the diets you take, the uh, uh, um, counseling. Some people may want to do some counseling. Some people may, and I'm going to talk about medicines a little bit next week and my feelings on that, but sometimes you might need that for a certain amount of time. But today we're going to focus primarily on the spiritual approach of anxiety and what we can do in that in our time together. You know, Paul, I think he dealt with anxiety. I think he dealt with a stress or pressure. Guys, you got to remember, talking about chronic anxiety, you got to remember that he persecuted the church, that he gave the command for people to be put in prison. Did you know that when Stephen was stoned and put to death, they came and laid his cloak, a dead man's cloak, at Paul's feet, and he thought he was doing something for the Lord. But you can't tell me a man in that kind of dis bad decisions and, and, and those kinds of his consciousness speaking to him, that there were times that he was like dealing with some stuff. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of you sometimes deal with some stuff? It hits you in the face and you don't know what to do about it. And I know that Paul was a person. But remember the backdrop of the story when he wrote Philippians. The backdrop is he had a strategic plan to get to Rome to preach the gospel because he knew if he could get to Rome that they were the influence of the world. And they were the head of all commerce and business at that time. And he's like, man, if I can get to Rome, if I can preach in that Colosseum, if I can get the influential, then this gospel can go forth. So he had a big dream to go to Rome and preach the gospel. 
But he ended up getting to Rome, but it wasn't as a preacher, it was as a prisoner. So he was in the Philippian, Philippian uh, when he wrote the Philippian uh, uh, book, he was under 24-hour arrest, chained to a guard, cold, in prison, uh, dreams that he had disposed of. The way that he made a living by, by helping people, what he felt called to do, couldn't do it anymore. He was under a duress. He was under a high anxiousness when he wrote this. If you follow me in Philippians, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And our moms, I can always hear her saying, repeat what's important. Paul says, repeat it again. I say, rejoice. In a place where he should have felt anxious or worried or overwhelmed, overwhelmed or angst or heavy or insecure or fearful or in dread, he was saying, hey man, rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, rejoice. And you're like, really, Paul? Now, really, Paul, you're saying that? To me, that is a great scripture to put on a coffee mug or to put on the back of a bumper or to make a t-shirt of it or to make a beautiful Instagram and hashtag rejoice in the Lord always with a big smile or something. But I want to tell you something. When you think about Paul's situation and you compare it to yours where you're on I-90 and your tire goes down and people are running by you and you don't know what to do or you've just let go of a job or you've just been let go in a job or you just got in a big fight with your wife or, or, or something terrible and your Christian people come up and say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm like, I'm going to give you something to rejoice about. I'll give you something to re I don't want to hear that right now. So I'm like, man, Paul, really? Really, Paul? But to me, he can say it. If anybody can say it, it's easy to say, trust God that he's Jehovah Driver, that he provides everything, if you never have to worry about provision. But people that have to worry about provision and people that have to go through hard times, how many of you know it's tough to rejoice sometimes when you're facing troubles? Seriously. Seriously, rejoice? I said, I made your fight. I lost my job. My friend betrayed me. My boyfriend cheats on me. My girlfriend cheats on me. Man, my kids are making horrible decisions. And I'm just not liking where I'm at and like rejoice. It's out of the context of Paul being in prison, awaiting judgment, possible death. No expectation of the future he didn't know. He said, yeah, rejoice in the Lord always. And then look at this. Then he said, and let your gentleness be known in all men. Last week we learned that gentleness means that you're to relax overly strict, overly strict standards in order that you can keep the spirit of the Lord. Relaxing deadlines, relaxing standards, relaxing, re re relaxing. You know, the world's opposite that. They say push, work hard, do this, do this. Hey, next week, you don't, I'm telling you, you don't want to miss next week. I'm telling you, I, I'm wanting to get on it right now. They, they say, but, but the word says relax these things. Relax it. Me and my wife were talking this week, and I said, "Hun, you know what I find a common thread with everybody that deals with anxiety and that suffers with chronic anxiety? There's a common thread. I didn't read it. I, something I've observed. They all have unrealistic expectations on themselves and others things that they are there's no possible way there's no possible way they, they have such a high 
let your gentleness be known. Relax that strictness so much. It's okay to relax a little bit. Guys, we're going to get, next week, I got to tell you, next week we're going to preach about the redemption of the mind. The redemption of the mind. And and we're going to talk about that. So relax. And then remember, the Lord is at hand. I know I've done this two weeks, but I want this to be in our head. Raise your hand up. Raise your hand up as high as you can extend. Whenever you see the Lord is at hand, whenever you see he's at hand in the Bible, it means that as far as you can reach is the very furthest away that the Lord is ever going to be away from you. Now put your hand down. Where does your hand normally go? He's right by your side at all times. So that's how we can rejoice in the Lord is we relax some strict standards and we know that he is with us. He's with us. Then he goes on to say, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Here's what we're going to focus on today. With thanksgiving. Everybody say, with thanksgiving. Let your heart, let your request be known to God of peace, suppress and all understand what God, your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus will hit that next week. Listen to this statement. How could he praise God when he wanted to preach, but instead he was a prisoner? How could he praise God when he wanted to preach, but instead he was a prisoner? The answer is it's all about perspective. Perspective means how you see something. Anybody out there say amen? How you see something. You know, two people can look at the same thing and see an entirely different thing. So the word perspective actually comes, I want you to write this down. The word perspective actually comes from a Latin word, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce, but the Latin word, which means this, to look through something, to look through it. How many has ever seen a magic eye? How many knows what a magic eye is? A magic eye, do we have one of those? Do we have that? A magic eye is, um, the first time I saw a magic eye is, how many's ever seen one of those? It, it, this isn't anything weird like, ooh, magic at church. No, it's nothing like that. It's art. It's art. It's art. It's okay. It's okay, religious people. We have not introduced demons in demonic activity today. Okay? So, but you can't do it on this one because it's not real. But how many's ever seen one? They even have Christian ones where you stare at and then all of a sudden Christ appears in 3D. And I remember my first one. I was down in Mickey World, down in Walt Disney, and, and they had one in there. And my kids were like, Dad, you got to get over here. you got to see this. This is so cool. And they, and, they, and they was telling me all this stuff that was jumping off in this picture. And uh, not this picture, but actually it is that picture. That is the Mickey one. But anyway, all this stuff that was jumping off, I, I got it off the Google download or whatever. It was jumping off. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see it. So my kids coached me a little bit, and they said, Dad, you got to bend over, and you got to kind of look. Listen, you got to kind of look through it. You got to look through it. And when you begin... Don't try to see it there. It ain't going to work on this. Is it? it wasn't work on that. But when I tried to get one, but you can't do it. But when you look through it, Mickey Mouse jumps out or dolphins jump out or whatever. Brothers and sisters, how do you keep a perspective of praise when all hell is breaking loose in your life? Here's how you do it. You see it by your looking through it, through God. It's all about perspective. I look at it through God. 
You, you don't look at it, you look through it. And when you look through it, you see 3D things jumping off where God lets you rejoice and you know that it's going to be all right. Can anybody praise him in the house today? Can we praise him in the house? Because it's with thanksgiving. It's with thanksgiving that we're to pray. And so our talk today is entitled The Perspective of Praise. The Perspective of Praise. Paul could have looked at his perspective and said, It's really bad. It's not good. Ministry's over. Dreams crushed. I laid it all down. Where is God? He could have been shortness of breath, racing thoughts, body shakes, can't hold your nerves still, fear, dread, insecurity, hopelessness, afraid to go out of the house, inability to function, which is some things that anxiety does to you. But I want to read to you through what I call the BPV translation. How many has heard of BPV? Anybody heard of BPV? BPV translation is bad perspective translation. Bad, everybody say bad. Perspective. Tra- version. BPV. So Paul could have said something like this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me really stinks. I'm not happy about it. God let me down. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, fear, and depression, hopelessness. What's happened here? It's just not fair. All hell's breaking loose against me. I'm quitting. I'm giving up. I'm not going back to church on the rock. Again, I can't believe that God has let me down. And you know what? Church leaders didn't even call me or people in church. People haven't even cared. They haven't even reached out to me. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Can anybody relate to BPV version? BPV version. BP version says this. This is bad. I have anxiety. I'm fighting. I'm doing all I can. Nothing's changing. I can't get better. I'm living silently in pain and torment. I don't want to drag my family down. I'm tired of dragging others down around me. I feel like I just need to disappear. I need to just go away. I wouldn't ever commit suicide, but I just want to disappear sometimes. Can anyone relate to that BPV version? My problems keep getting worse, BPV. I can't function. Don't know what to do. Afraid all the time, paralyzed with fear. Gaining weight because I'm a comfort eater. Me and my spouse are fighting. My kids drive me crazy. Not resting at night. I never get a full night's rest. I'm discouraged, discontent, depressed. I don't know what to do. I've tried eating right. I've tried taking meds. I've tried doing counseling thing. I've went to group. It doesn't seem like anything's changing. How did Paul do it? How did he get a perspective of praise? Brothers and sisters, I can't tell you how hard it is, but how important it is. I can't tell you how hard it is, but how important it is to have a perspective of praise. But here is not the BP version. Here was Paul's version. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's been clear to me that throughout the whole palace guard and everyone that I'm in chains with for Christ has come to Christ. It may not have been a coliseum the way I wanted to do it. You know, the biggest problem is I was talking to a friend this week, Robert, and and, and there's something that I'm doing in my life that I know it's the right decision, it's the right thing. But here's where we get screwed up is we have an A to B plan. 
that we, we're here and we know God's telling us something, but we make B where God might have a C, D, or F. And so we're looking at B asking, why isn't B happening? Why isn't B happening even when you do A right? Why isn't B happening? Some be, sometimes it's because God has a C or a D. You know, we're going to learn today that Paul, well, I'm not going to rush forward. Brian, stay with the sermon. Amen. By the way, that was Philippians 1, 12, and 13. But here's what you do. You have to trust God's idea. Anxiety and depression is when life can only go your A-B way. His idea was, A, I'm, I'm surrendered to God. I'm going to be a preacher, but I'm going to go to Rome. I'm going to preach in a Colosseum. There's going to be a huge crusade. People falling out all over. Millions are going to be saved. Influential people are going to be saved. That wasn't God's idea. God's idea was make him a prisoner under Nero, one of the toughest guys. But listen, Paul was able to say, even in a dire situation of that, Paul was able to say, I'm not a hostage. I'm not a prisoner. I may be in chains, I may be 24-7, but I'm not a hostage. Can someone tell your neighbor today that you are not a hostage and that you are not a prisoner and that you are not in chains? Amen. In fact, you think about that, guards were there on four-hour shifts, probably 4,380 guards a year, a captive audience, you might say. I think Paul, in some senior swag, maybe yanked the chain that they were chained to. I'm out of here. I don't want to listen to you anymore, Paul. I'm not done preaching. Can you imagine if all you had chains on your legs, and I start going for hours, four hours, and you're like, I'm out of here. I'm under conviction. I don't want to hear. Hey, get over here. Who's the real hostage, you might say? Paul said it actually served to advance the gospel. Amen. You read in Philippians, Nero's family got saved. Get this. Paul was like active. I, I, I'm starting to write. Actually, what I'm preaching next week, going to preach. The Lord's telling me to write a book on this. And, and I started this week. I've been faithful to do that. And, and I believe that, that, that this... You know, there's different seasons in society where you need to have a message to the culture, the population. This is a message of the hour. And God has given us some secrets. You've got to come next week and understand redemption of the mind. It's all about perspective. He had a perspective of praise. He knew that all things work together for good. Romans 8, 28, he knew it. That God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God. And look at this. And who are called according to, everybody say, His purposes. That's the key. So, we talked about, this is where I wanted to get ahead just a second ago. Paul, how did he rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I say rejoice. How did he do that when he had no hope of a future? I mean, he, he probably wasn't going to get loose. I mean, he didn't know if he was going to die. It looked done. How could he rejoice in the Lord always? Guys, here's, here, here's what the Holy Spirit just spoke this so hard to me this past couple of weeks. This wasn't Paul's first rodeo. This was not the first time that he was in prison. He was in prison many times. He had the senior swag on. He, he knew, he knew that, 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 look what he'd do. Look at Acts chapter 15. I think it's 15 or 16. One day as they were going down to the place of prayer, um, they met a girl who had a spirit 
this is in Acts, I think it's 15, verse around 15 or 16. She earned a lot of money for her employer, employer telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of Paul's people, shouting and disrupting the church service. Paul got exasperated one day, turned and commanded the demon to leave her, and it did. So the master's hopes, the one that was getting money off this girl, were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas. And as they grabbed them, they dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. A mob quickly formed. A mob formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Okay, this is one of the times. You can take that down now if you want. That's one of the times that, that, that this happened. They were beaten. Now, you may not be stripped and beaten with rods in today's world. However, many of us today can get stripped of confidence. We can get stripped of courage and self-worth. Some can be stripped of faith or stripped of hope for a future. And you're trying to have faith, but it's just not there. And sometimes we can get beaten down with anxiety, doubts, and fears, doing everything to hold on but a mob stripping us and beating us. We lie hurt, wounded, bleeding, and suffering in a prison just like they did. So Paul and Silas were doing the right thing. They were doing the best for the Lord. But now... Paul and Silas were in a prison. Possibly broken noses, couldn't see. Um, maybe ribs broken, open wounds, blistering, open wounds, stinging. I was trying to think of how it stings and, 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 and the eyes blurred with sweat and blood. Thrown into an inner dungeon with cold, damp, very hungry and thirsty. Probably really thirsty. Clamped into stocks, possibly unconscious. But I can just think of Paul saying, hey, Sai, are you here? Are you here, buddy? You still with me? Man, I'm hurting. And this is strong. But I'm going to praise. We, we, we need to do something. And do you know at midnight, the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas began praying and singing hymns, and the other prisoners were listening. I just want to throw this out there to some people that get critical on music, like, why don't we sing hymns, and blah, blah, blah. Hey, a hymn just simply is a proclamation. Sometimes worship songs just proclaim something. The Lord is good. I need to surrender my life. And everybody's like, oh, why aren't we singing something that's worshiping God? We do some of those too. That's what's called a spiritual song or a worship song. So there's different types of worship, but they were doing proclamation songs, hymns. They were doing things that proclaim the goodness or the greatness of God. They were doing things like, Lord, we surrender songs, and when we don't, but then they probably also had worship songs where they turned them to the Lord. But no matter what, they began praising God and singing these hymns, and the other prisoners were listening. I think that's a big one. Do you know the world's watching you? And the world's listening. It's equivalent to being told that you have four-stage cancer. I've heard it twice today in this setting. I've heard it twice today, people saying stage four cancer. You may have been told stage four cancer, and you're saying, let's worship God. Hey, my kids are on drugs, and they just flunked out of college. Yeah, worship God. How could they have this perspective of praise? How can you do that? How can you do that? Remember, we learn to see through things. And we learn to see through things. But now, 
People with anxiety, I want you to think about this. People with anxiety, they can't help it, but they only can see the bad. Sometimes when I'm hit tough with it, my wife will say, now every single thing that you're going to say in the next 30 minutes, there's not one thing of it going to be true. But we've learned i got to get it off my, i got to get it out. And, and she says, we'll have this conversation, but every single thing you're going to say probably isn't even true. And, and, and so, but people that suffer with this, People that suffer with this, with chronic, they can't help it, but sometimes they only see the, the bad. They have to be reminded of the good. Guys, listen to me. You can't miss next week. The Lord showed me how to bring redemption to the mind. I'm telling you, it, it's a new revelation to me. It's supernatural. You can't miss next week. you got to grab people and bring them next week. This place needs to be full next week, okay? But he said here, now, brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on what's true. And what's honorable. And we're going to talk more about that next week. And lovely and admire. Think about these things that are excellent and praiseworthy. You have an issue that's really bad. But in the scope of the whole, you have a whole lot going for you. Something my wife has helped me with is when she tries to get me to look through it. And then she'll also say um, everything you're, you have to fix your thoughts on good Another thing, guys, we need to do is we set and we get zoned in on something, and the next thing you know, a half hours went away, and you're like, where'd that go? And I just feel lousy. But we have to look at things like, I don't have high blood pressure. Um, my cholesterol's great. Um, I don't have anything with sugar diabetes. I have an amazing wife, and if she was here, I'd be like, yeah, I'm flirting with her. I love my wife. I have amazing kids. I absolutely love pastoring this church. I love where I'm at in life. I, but you have, to, you have to fix your thoughts on the good. You know, sometimes there can be 98.9%, but we're focused on the other. So, ever heard of when Paul and Silas were in the prison, and they say, hey, you still there? Ever heard if you're not dead, you're not done? So get up and let's get it. Maybe my mom and dad used to say that to me. Hey, son, if you're not dead, you're not done. Now get up and get at it. So I believe they may have had that kind of transaction with words. But around midnight, Paul and Silas were praising and praying, and the other prisoners were listening. And notice when they were bound up in prison, the miraculous things began to happen. The Bible, um, the Bible, you might want to write this down, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. They were bound in prison. It says, in everything give thanks. It doesn't say for everything, but it says in everything. Did you all see? It's not for, but in everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks. In everything. So they were praising when they were bound in prison. Nothing miraculous is happy. No victory in sight. They were praising before the provision, before the help, in the middle of the bad. Brothers and sisters, I want us to grow on praising in the middle of the storm. Anybody out there say, I'll work on that. I'm going to try. And then it says, look at this. The second thing that hit me is there, there's a difference between praising the God as who over praising him for what. Praising God for who he is. 
Praise Him for His character. Praise Him for His nature. Oh God, I thank You that You're good. I thank You that You're merciful. I thank You that You're kind. I thank You that You're forbearing. I thank You that You're patient with me. I thank You that You're faithful with me. I thank You that You don't. We praise God's character. I thank You that You are just. I thank You that You are pure. I thank You that You love me. You praise Him for who He is, not what's happening. We praise Him for that. Praising the God who can. And when they did that, the Bible says suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and chains of every prisoner fell off. If you go on and read that story, everybody in the prison got saved. They even went to a guy's house and his whole family got saved and the neighborhood got saved. So, so how many know that sometimes when it's not our idea but it's God's idea how amazing things could happen but guys here's what I want you to get here's what I want you to get I want myself and I want this church to get where we praise him if it's like the Philippians when we're in prison and it, we're not getting out and we praise him and he does somehow do a miraculous thing. And the prison doors fly open. And there's earthquakes. And the chains are broke loose. And we all want it that way. But brothers and sisters, we've got to get... That's why Paul could say rejoice in the Lord always. Because he knew that he'd been in prison. And the Lord got him out on many occasions. On many occasions, he lived through where he should have died. But on this particular occasion, he stayed in the prison. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he was able to say, what actually happened has taken the gospel further and better than my idea. You know, I'm stepping out there today. This is in my mind, and I'm just kind of a keep it real person, and I'm going to take a, um, what do you call it when you take a liberty? A li I'm going to take a liberty because I trust my relationship with Clayton. I'm going to take a liberty because I, I, I've, I've only been out to eat with him a couple, I went out to eat with him and Hannah the other day, and this is the most amazing couple. And when they came to our church, I was like, man, God has something amazing for them. Amazing for them. And I've never asked Clayton what, but you do see a chair. And all I know is there was some kind of an accident. But your attitude, bro, your attitude blows my mind. Your perspective of praise your perspective of outlook, your perspective of future. Man, I salute you, man. I salute you. I salute you. There's, there's, a, there's a brother that's praising him through the storm. God's got supernatural things for you, buddy. We may have different ideas of how we want to get to Rome. I wanted to go there to preach. I wanted to go to Rome to preach, but I didn't get to do that. I ended up getting to Rome, but I went as a prisoner. But 
everything that happened, it happened to advance the gospel. Clayton, I'm sure God's going to use you to advance the gospel. Hannah, God's going to use you to, to advance the gospel. I want to tell you something. First, I want to thank you. you got one more week, and I'm going to air some laundry, like I've been doing the last couple of weeks. And then I'll quit crying about it and telling you all about it. But I always said, Lord, if I can do anything, I'll humble myself and let people know what's going on in my life that can help somebody. But let me tell you something. When I had that nervous breakdown about five years ago, you all don't know it, where I was out seven months. I didn't talk for three months. I had to write notes to my wife. Completely calm. Didn't know if it was day or night. Okay? Um, I would not change that for the world. That was not my idea of a good time. But I'll never forget sitting with Carmen one day. I couldn't explain things like, I was a pastor, and I couldn't explain things like redemption and understand the blood and all this stuff because I, I, I couldn't explain it. But it was through that time that it was like the Garden of Eden where there were four rivers through the garden. It was through that time I said, Carmen, there's been four rivers of revelation come to me that I would not have gotten because I'm too busy in the church, but it felt like I was in a prison. But I, I learned four things that has made the whole Bible open up to me in a way that I would have never happened. And here's the other thing. People used to talk to me about people that had the anxiety and stuff. I had zero sympathy for it. I was like, you need to pray more, trust God. What's wrong with you? Um, I'm very sympathetic of it now. I feel it. I feel people. I'm sympathetic. I, I understand it. And I have trying, I, I'm trying with everything. When I first started dealing with anxiety, I was taking 40 milligrams of medicine. Brothers and sisters, I'm down to five. I'm down to five. Um, I could get into that if you want to. Some of you are like, ah, eh, you're not supposed to do that. Well, you, there's blood pressure medicine. There's sugar medicines. Don't, don't be so darn hypocritical. Okay? Mr. High up, sky up. Look out. But I don't think we have that so much in the north. But brothers and sisters, man, if I can learn something and help set a whole people free, I'm like, take me through it, baby. I want to help some people. Now I want to ask you, how many is going to make your trial a blessing? How many of you are going to take a marriage that didn't work, a drug addiction that had you, a, 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 a child, maybe abused as a child, uh, um, lost everything through trying to start a bit. How many of you will take that prison and take that time and say, I may not have liked it, but in all actuality, this is going to further the gospel. This is going to further the gospel. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, take my hurt, take my pain, take my struggles, 
take my trials. Come on right now. I want you to get 2020 vision. I want you to see through. Come on. I want you to look at those pictures and I want you to see through. I want you to see through your problem. I want you to see through the eyes of God. I want you to see, hey, we ain't dead yet. And if we ain't dead, we ain't done. I'm telling you, it's never dead when you live for the resurrected Savior who is life. There's always life. There's a, come on, right now. Right now. Lord, let me see. Let me see. Lord, deal with me about my spot in the marriage. Quit looking at your wife. Quit looking at your spouse. Deal with me. Lord, why is it that I turn to this addictive behavior? Lord, why is it that I'm having this anger? Lord, right now yield it to the Lord. Right now yield it to the Lord. The Bible says cast all your cares upon the Lord because He cares for you. First it says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. With humility and poor in spirit, just say, is there anybody here today that says, God, I need your help. I need your help. Now cast your cares. Put your anxieties on him. And the Bible says that the mighty hand, everybody say hand, that the mighty hand of God will lift you up. Every head bowed, eyes closed. I want you to listen to this. That was written by Peter. 1 Peter 5, 7. He had insight on that. Because it was Peter that got out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. When all the disciples stayed in the boat, it was Peter that had a dream. It was a Peter that wanted to walk on the water. But he saw the storms and he saw the difficulties and he started to sink. But what happened? He reached out his hand and Jesus grabbed his hand and pulled him up. Come on. He pulled him up out of that water. He is the one that said, all right, guys, humble yourself. Cast your cares upon him. Cast your anxieties and the mighty hand of God. Come on. How many feel that mighty hand of God reaching down? And as he's reaching down, I want you to reach up and grab that hand, and I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up. Grab the hand of the Lord and stand up. Stand up. Put your hands in the air. That's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of victory. Come on. It's a sign of surrender. I could walk right through it. Come on. Oh, we cast our anxieties on the Lord. Come on, sing it. Excuse me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. You read the sea so I could walk right through it. You think things are in perfect love. Come on, we rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child. Woo! Yes, I am. Am 
a child of God. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I am a child. Yes, I am. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Thank you, Lord. I am. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today and you're walking without Jesus, you're walking alone in a tough world. You're by yourself. You're hurting today. Things are happening not good. You ended up in church today and it wasn't a coincidence. There's a hand of heaven reaching down to you, asking you to accept Jesus today. If you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior, I want to talk to you just a minute. We know that Jesus died for our sins. And he raised up so that we could die to our sin and raise up a new person. It was Jesus that took all the handwritings and all the breaking of the law and all of our shortcomings. The Bible says he took your sins and he nailed them to a cross. And all the judgment and all the punishment for sin came on Jesus. And that's why the Bible says the chastisement for my peace with God was upon Jesus' back. So today, all if you're here today, you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He can take away your sins. He can come into your heart. He can fill you with joy today. And you can leave with a brand new start. If you want to do that, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. If you want Jesus today, I want you to say, Father... In the name of Jesus, I come to you today. I come and I say I need you today. I didn't know that when I got up this morning, but I feel you tugging my heart. Jesus, I ask you that you come into my heart, and from this day forward, I want to live for you. Lord, I pray that the sins and the situations in my life that are tearing me apart I pray you begin to put my life together. I want to go at this with you, Jesus. Say, I want to go at this with you. Come into my heart in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. There's going to be people on both sides here today. I'm going to ask them to come. The worship team is going to sing one more song. As they come, you can bring, we're a people of prayer. You can bring any prayer and be prayed for here today. And then if you prayed that prayer to ask Jesus in your heart, we have a gift for you. We have a gift for you. They're under these seats. One of the prayer team will get them for you, but you need this. God bless you. I'm going to turn it over to Braden, and he'll take you out.